Thank you for listening to another edition of the Business of Fun podcast. I'm your host, Dave Wakeman. Today's episode is brought to you by my friends at Booking Protect, the worldwide leader in refund protection. If you offer your guests tickets or experiences and you're not offering them Booking Protect, you should check them out at www.bookingprotect.com and find out how working with Booking Protect can offer your guests better peace of mind, a better buying experience, and it can also create a brand new revenue stream for your organization. To find out more, again, visit them at bookingprotect.com. Today's guest, I was pretty excited to connect with. It's a guy who goes by the name of Jesse Cole, who is the founder of Fans First Entertainment. You may or may not know him because he runs around in a yellow tuxedo all day long. Jesse is probably best known for the yellow tux and the fact that he is the owner of the Savannah Bananas. Um, Rob Cressy, who's been a guest on the podcast and I've been a guest on his podcast, uh, said I should talk to Jesse, and I'm really glad I did because as we were talking before we started the podcast, Jesse goes, I think we see the world in a very similar way. And it comes through in this in this interview. Jesse's focus is on putting the fans before every everything else. I know that I have in the past been um, said to have focused too much on the customer, which I always say, how can you focus too much on the customer? Because if you don't have a customer, you don't have anything. In this episode, we talk about a lot of really, really cool things and some stuff that I think you should really, really spend some time thinking about. One of the really cool things that he, he mentioned to me was the idea of hiring for the future resume, which was really cool and something I had never heard before. Um, and I want to say at the start, I missed an opportunity of asking him what was on his future resume because I told him that on my future resume, I wanted to be commissioner of the NHL. Um, he talks about setting the right incentives for his employees. He talks about um, you know using profit share. He talks about creating an environment where turnover doesn't happen. We talk about the map journey of the customer. Um, we talk about getting everybody involved. We talk about how to create a different experience for your customers by doing what's the opposite of normal. I mean, some of the stuff is things that you hear that are platitudes that get thrown out by a lot of other um, thought leaders and gurus and all these other things that I know for certain are not backed up by any substance. And having seen the Savannah Bananas and seen what Jesse Cole has done over the last couple of years, I know that when he talks about these ideas about hiring and training and empowering your employees, number one, I know they work. And then number two, I know that when he talks about them, there's some real stuff behind them. It's not just talk, it's actual action. And so I couldn't be happier about sharing this conversation I had with Jesse with you. I hope I, I hope you enjoy it. I want to welcome Jesse Cole from the Savannah Bananas to the Business of Fun. Jesse, thanks for being here. I'm pumped, definitely, to have fun with you today. Oh, my God, this is going to be so great because I don't know if everybody who's listening to this knows you. If they, if they don't, they should because you are the man with the yellow tux. Uh, you are also the thing that uh, drew my attention was the undercover fan video, which is sort of, you know, one of the things I talk about all the time is like, you got to shop your own product and make sure that like you understand what your your fans and your customers are feeling. Um, because I know that you are such a big advocate and such a big uh, proponent of putting the customer first. Can you give everybody a little bit of an overview of your philosophy 
on customer service and fan development or fan engagement, however you want to define it? 100%. And to give a little context, yes, we, we own the Savannah Bananas, but the name of our company is Fans First Entertainment. And many people would say we've been in the baseball business now for about 12 years, owning and operating different teams in North Carolina, Virginia, and now our big team here in Savannah, Georgia. But the business that we're really in is entertainment. And, and we are 100% all about entertainment. And uh, to give you an idea, I mean, our players do choreographed dances during our games. We have a break dancing first base coach, a senior citizen dance team called the Banana Nanas, a pep band with 30 people that play throughout the game. It's an absolute circus at our games. And, you know, that's the one thing that we believe that we can be dramatically different at. But while that is what we do, it's different. Everything we do is about fans first. And our mission is simple. Fans first, entertain always. And that's all that we talk about. We've simplified it because for our people, they know what fans first means. It means to take care of our fans at all times. And to give you an idea, we just map the journey. We try to picture what the perfect experience is for a fan and what it looks like. So to give you an idea, I mean, little things that we do when people buy a ticket on, on our website, they get an email that says, congrats, you just made the best decision of your day. Right now, as you bought your tickets, we ran around the stadium. We hoisted them up the air. We poured Gatorade showers over each other. And right now we are celebrating with your tickets. They're in our vault in maximum security. So no one will get their tickets, your tickets until they're ready. And we just have fun. And that's a variation of it. Then we call every single fan and give them a thank you call. Thousands. Uh, Thousands of fans. So, you know, we focus on what happens throughout the ex entire experience. And, uh, you know, it's been a wild journey and I can go into anything you want on fans first, the undercover fan. But, you know, that's the reason why at one of the lowest levels of baseball, we've been tremendously fortunate to sell out every single game and have a wait list in the thousands because of our specialization in the fan experience and the entertainment. Well, I mean, my God, it, with the uh, the email about the best decision, that reminds me of, um, you know, and I, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of this, the CD baby, when CD mm -hmm. baby used to do something very, very similar. And it's, again, not really something that takes a lot of time or effort. It's just something that's very that's thoughtful, right? I mean, it's like very, you know, you put thought into it as opposed to like, thanks for buying your tickets. We'll see you when you get here. I mean, that's just like, it's so great. But what really you said that piqued my interest is the thank you call. Right, because I can, I'm, I, I know that my inbox is going to fill up with people right now going, well, that's just not scalable. So, I want to ask you, how do you make that scalable? How do you make that workable in the context of your organization? Calling each fan to thank them. Well, I mean, we have we have a system. Our, our whole staff is involved in it. We have actually the fans first way, and we've simplified our core beliefs. And it's it's the ABCs: always be caring, different, enthusiastic, fun growing and hungry. And we actually even incentivize that. Our profit sharing program is based on how are we being fans first every day. So what does that mean? We have 15 full-time staff here. And you know, when, when merchandise is being sold, you know, we're selling merchandise crazily all over the world. And if we sell you know, 20 orders one day, 30 orders, we split it up between our staff. Everybody has thank you calls that they do. And it's part of being in touch with your fans. So when you think about it, if we sell thousands of tickets, um, you know, it's spread out between a staff of 15 and during the season when it's crazy and before the season comes on, when we sell all of our tickets, we bring on interns and it's something it's worth it. And the reality is it doesn't take as long as you think I make the calls regularly too. And I'm the owner of the team. Um, so we spread it out. We get a call, a call list of 10 or 20 and just to touch base and leave voicemails. And I can't tell you how many times at the ballpark people have come up to me. I can't believe you called me and gave me a thank you call. It meant so much. And it's those little touches that matters. And a great example is Joey Coleman, who uh, the author of Never Lose a Customer Again. And he's 
uh, pioneered the concept of the first 100 days after a customer joins you and how important those are. And he said there was actually a company who hired uh, volunteers. Now, they paid them, but they were uh, senior citizens who actually wrote thank you letters to all their customers. And they hired them and they said it was worth it because every single customer got this little thank you letter. And again, it depends on how do you look at your marketing? You know, we see our thank you calls and that fun thank you email and the videos that we send. That's our marketing. We're building the fans first experiments uh, experience. And as soon as they haven't even experienced our games yet, but they've got an awesome fun email. They've got a thank you call. They're already primed to have the day of their life and the night of their life at the ballpark. So I would question, you know, how is it not worth it? Well, that's interesting, too, that you said that, because I have a philosophy that I kind of express everywhere, which is that everything is marketing, right? Like the marketing doesn't start like just it's not just advertising. It's like every touch point you create. It's every engagement you have. It's, um, you know, before, during and after the event. It's everything. So when you say something like, oh, you know, how can you not to? I mean, it, it totally makes sense to me. Um, and it seems that one of the key things you do, which is a challenge I see in a lot of, especially like the major league sports, is that you're building anticipation from the very moment a person decides to be a customer of yours until all the way through the process, which is, you know, something that's missed because you're selling, you know, we're all selling something that's just one of a kind, unique. So there should be a certain anticipation, right? There's, there's, um, who knows what's going to happen? I know that you do, you know, what is it? If you say always be entertaining, or always be caring, you know, you create an entirely incredible experience that's entirely unique. So, you know, how do you keep tweaking the anticipation so that people are, you know, not only excited the first time, but like they keep coming back? Because I think that, sure, everybody will come one time, but you have built this, um, you know, waiting list of thousands of fans, which means to me that like people, they come once, but they stay for a long, long time. Well, the second core belief for us is different. And different has a very important meaning to me. And I say this around our people all the time. Whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. And normal gets normal results. So I question our people, all right, is that the normal way that fans would want to enter into a ballpark? Is that the normal thing that they would receive after buying tickets? Is that the normal way people would leave your establishment, whether it's a restaurant or retail? I mean, we focus on everything to make sure, guys, are we challenging ourselves to be different? So to give you an example, you know, think about how many times people leave uh, a retail store or a restaurant and how many times are they actually thanked? You know, normally people just walk out and it's no big deal. We believe the last impression leaves a lasting impression. So we focus so much on how people leave our ballpark. And again, it's not normal. So what do we have? We have our pep band, 30 people out on a stage as fans are leaving playing sing-along songs like Sweet Caroline, Hey Baby, I mean even Uptown Funk, ABC, Jackson 5. They're playing fun music as we're leaving. Then we have our players, our actual players who played the game outside the gate, full uniform, signing autographs, taking pictures. We'll have some nights we'll have a s'more station set up where we're actually roasting marshmallows and s'mores where people leave. Myself, I'm out there, our director of fun, which is a position that we actually have full time here. We're all out at the gate. And people don't want to leave. It's a party out there. So when people leave, they're like, that was the most fun, best time I've ever had. That's not normal. Not many times will you leave a sporting event and there'll be a party with a pep band and the players out there and s'mores. But that's how we think about it. What's that best possible experience? And map it out. 
you know, and think crazy, you know, think ridiculous. I mean, we do, we have our banana nanas outside the gate dancing as fans are coming in. You know, our staff is dressed up in banana costumes, ripping banana shaped tickets that actually have scratch and sniff that smell like banana. I mean, we try to think of everything that when you were coming in, what would be different and unique? And the reality is, Dave, we have a long way to go. I think there's a lot more things that we can do in our parking lots to make it more entertaining. I think it's that first impression when they first pull up, what are they seeing? If it's like a regular parking lot, that's too normal to me. So we're still tweaking that to try to think what that perfect experience is. No, no, no. This is like so refreshing, too, because one of the challenges, you know, and I'll, I, mean, I guess one of the big challenges that everybody has to overcome is the idea of fighting the inertia of normal. Right. What you talked about, like normal. Uh, I want to do the opposite. How you know, because you said you have a staff of 15. How do how do how do you encourage your staff to do that besides just telling them to think to do the opposite or think normal? Because I know that one, one of the things, too, is that like everybody's a little bit afraid sometimes to take a chance. So how do you ingrain that into your culture? How do you get people to take that chance? Maybe teach them that, um, you know, every idea, you know, doesn't have to be perfect. And some ideas are going to fail. And that's totally cool. Stop looking at failure as failure, but looking at as discovery. A big principle in our staff and our whole team is is uh, doing and then learning. And that's something that Henry Ford, you know, used to teach. He said, learning by doing. You know, his first two uh, car companies failed. It was his third one that he developed the Model T that was successful. You know, again, everything we do, we treat as an experiment. And, you know, I've done lots of things that have failed. I mean, flatulence fun night at the ballpark wasn't successful. Salute to underwear night. I mean, we did some things that were ridiculous. The world's largest tickets. But we learn from it. And so I'll give you a great example. It just happened a couple of weeks ago. Our staff wanted to host a food truck festival, you know, a food truck festival at our ballpark and, you know, have all the food trucks at the stadium. And I said, guys, there's lots of food truck festivals. What makes ours different? And they're like, well, it's, it's on the field. I go, is that different enough? What, what story is created from that? And I go, think about the worst experience of a food truck festival. What does it look like? They said, well, you stand in line forever. Then you pay 10 bucks and you only get a little bit of food. Then you have to stand another line. I go, all right, so what's the issue there? They're like, well, the food, it's expensive, but you don't get much of it. And I go, guys, what would be the exact opposite everyone else is doing? And they, and we started, they started thinking, and we, and we finally, I, I, I had it in my mind, but I finally got out, and they said, well, what if we did an all-you-can-eat food truck festival? And I said, bingo. I go, the world's only all-you-can-eat food truck festival. And we looked it up, there, no one else is doing it, and it's dramatically different. And that is, we think, the perfect experience. You pay one price. $35, and you can try as many food samples from every single food truck. Again, when you think about what frustrates your customer about certain experiences and go the exact opposite, that's how we find these unique ideas. And we just keep talking about that and training our staff. We have a brand new events director, and now she's starting to see that. But Dave, it happened from a whole premise of how this business began. I believe to our customers, baseball is too long, too slow, and too boring. So we had to go the exact opposite and make it nonstop entertainment, exciting and faster. And that's what we've been building for the last 11 years. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you kind of opened it up too for like, because you, you're in the baseball business, even though you're in the entertainment business, which I completely agree because I don't think that it's baseball or football or basketball is entertainment. And the idea that it's too long, too slow, too boring. And I understand, you know, part of the question before about how do you encourage people to take chances and take risks and understand that a failure is not a failure. And in your words, which I think is great, is a discovery, right? One of the challenges that is really taking place is that Major League Baseball fans have gone away, you know, and 
I want to ask you if you have an opinion on what can the big teams, what can the the major league teams do to kind of create the same sort of excitement? Because I see it, you know, in the lower levels of baseball all the time. I went to a Durham Bulls game just the other day, and it was like one of the most fun that my eight-year-old son has ever had at a baseball game. And I, but I try to take him to a major league game, and he's like, "Well, this is lame. This is boring." Um, you know, how can we encourage you know the people who are further up the food chain sometimes to take these chances and take these risks? Because I know. From my own experience, sometimes the more money involved, the less likely it is you're going to be to take risks. 100%. And now, Dave, you hit a nerve right now because that has been a big problem. That's awesome. I've hit a nerve. You certainly hit a nerve because um, Major League Baseball and the highest levels of baseball who, um, you know, I guess fortunately, unfortunately, they have large revenue streams based on TV rights and, you know, numerous things where profit sharing, revenue sharing between the other teams where they can have huge success and not have to focus and commit to the fan and the fan experience as much. Here's the problem with baseball. I think baseball is like a hot dog stand. All right. And this is what we do right. We, we are unbelievable at the condiments, you know, the mustard, the relish, the ketchup. We put on a show. We're great at the condiments, but the hot dog still needs work. If you look at a Major League Baseball game and you look at the attendance, it's dropped over 7% this year, and you look even in the playoff games and the stadiums aren't sold out, there's a problem. Watch a Major League Baseball game and look at behind uh, home plate and look at how many people are on their phones or talking to each other and not watching the game. Yet baseball, because of the success, because of the, the revenue success, I guess, and their and love with tradition, they are not doing it about it. They're making these incremental changes. Our goal is to make some monster changes, and this could happen in the next two or three years as we work it out. Uh, the game needs to be dramatically faster. It needs to be more entertaining. There's too much dead action in baseball. And the traditionalists are all over me and saying, that baseball doesn't need to change. Well, the reality, how many businesses haven't changed over 100 years and are still going strong. You know, you look at these businesses that were dominating the Sears out there and the Kodaks. How are they doing now? Baseball needs to change. And, you know, what I would do is you first look at the biggest problem. And even with every game selling out for us, every game tickets are on StubHub, Craigslist. People can't get tickets. People are still leaving in the seventh inning. And we're entertaining nonstop. What does that prove? That baseball is still too long. When you're getting three hours plus, three and a half hours plus, it's an issue. So we're going to look at how do we get those games, nonstop entertainment, in under two hours. That's something that soccer's done really well, and it's taken over the world. So that's something that we're going to look at in the next few years. Yeah, that, and, and the soccer example is, is great because, I mean, I didn't grow up in a soccer culture, but I've found myself watching it more and more and more. I mean, it's partly because, you know, in two hours, that's your investment of time. Right. And you know that like to get the actions nonstop, except for the 15 or 20 minute halftime. I mean, you know, it, it just seems baffling to me. And also, you're exactly right. Kodak's a great example because, oh, this digital, the digital camera is never going to catch on. And then all of a sudden Kodak has gone away. And the traditionalists, too. But I was like, going, don't you understand that there has been a radical change in baseball anyway, but it's not been one that you wanted because all of the stat based alignments and all of these things they have robbed the excitement of the game out of the game. And if you so longer, yeah, it's got longer. that's how it's changed. It's now yeah. 30 minutes yeah. long <laughs> because there's no action now because you got, you, there's five minutes between pitches, right? There's what was it? There's, I mean, and that's a joke, but there's what 11 minutes between a batted ball and as was like the stat or something is crazy. Um, you, you know, I don't, I don't understand it period because everybody's changing. It, it, it's, it's just, it should be just a natural thing. Like how do we always make these things better? 
Um, it's romantic on things. And that's what people get so romantic on the way it used to be or the way it was. And those are the companies that end up dying. I mean, I think it's unbelievable that Toys R Us is now gone bankrupt and is done. Um, you know, that is an opportunity to pray. You talk about experiences, a big thing that you're into. Imagine the experiences you could provide for kids if you made it more not about the toys, but about the experience and riding the toys and experiencing all the fun in there. And you made it more of amusement park slash toys. I mean, that place would be going strong, but they focused on their product. They didn't focus on their customers. And that's why I would say love your customers more than you love your product. And I think that's that's a problem. These traditionalists, and these romanticized, they, they focus too much on the way things were and not the way the way things should be. Well, you bring up a thing too, like the experience idea, right? Which is, you know, that is pretty much a lot of what I do. Um, and I say, we were talking about it just before we turn these, the mics on here, is that, you know, one year I think I was responsible for about 10, somewhere between 10 and $14 million in sales. And I had a blog post that I posted years ago now about the lesson I learned when I sold all those tickets. And I was like, going, I'm never selling a ticket. I'm always selling someone's improve, uh, you know, an imp- a story to somebody, right? It could be a new business partner. It could be uh, a child's first experience at a game or a theater or something, right? And I think that that's what you, you sell so well is the idea of the experience. And I think that's one of the missing key components in so much of what other teams are doing or organizations are doing and they're failing at is they're not taking the time to understand you're never selling a ticket. You're not selling a ticket to a game. You're selling an experience. You're selling a story. You're telling, you're selling something so people, they can go, people like us go to a Savannah bananas game. They go to a Washington nationals game because you know, it's wall to wall entertainment. It's, you know, it's a fantastic experience. It's things I would never experience anywhere else in the world. And, you know, and I think it's just a missed opportunity for most people if they don't understand that, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's the memories that you create and that they leave. You know, when they leave the ballpark, they leave your experience. What are they saying? And that's why anybody that has a normal experience, they're not going home and saying, hey, I just had the most normal night. You know, it was really just pretty routine. It wasn't that special. No one says that. And I think from a staff standpoint, I learned from Darren Ross, the CEO of Magic Castle Hotel in um, uh, Hollywood in Hollywood, California, the number two rated hotel in TripAdvisor. He goes, we incentivize stories, not incentivizing sales. And he focuses on his staff. He goes, we will give bonuses, cruise trips based on the best customer experience story. That's what he's getting his people focused on because the stories, you talk about marketing. I mean, that's the best marketing you can have is you're telling great, amazing customer experience stories. Those are the ones that really have legs. And I, I love that. It's about the story that you're creating. What stories are you creating every day? Yeah. And I want to circle back to something you said earlier because you said your profit shares is, are, is often attached to a outcome. And what doing people doing the right thing. And I always talk about incentives, right? Because I say, oh, if the, you know, if you're going to a major league baseball game and it's not a lot of fun, that's because the incentives are wrong, right? Like, like we were talking about the media rights have ballooned to such a level that nobody has to focus on the customer. Um, for you, you know, how, what are some of those incentives that look like? And I'm, I'm asking that because this is not the first time that this has come up either. It's a, a friend of mine, uh, Simon Mab, who's the CEO of Booking Protect. He changed the, the entire trajectory of his business by changing the incentives that he rewarded his employees on. So I'm kind of I'm kind of curious about how you you create incentives and how you reward the incentives besides outside of the profit share. Yeah, I mean, well, again, I mean, the, the profit share is a big piece because fans first way is a huge piece of that. And how are people being caring, different, enthusiastic, fun, growing and hungry? And we actually have them have a say every Friday. 
our staff sends an email saying, what did they do that was fans first this week? And who else did they notice doing something fans first this week? So, you know, that's obviously a very easy way to incentivize it based on our profit share system that we have a profit calculator based on. But, you know, I mean, there's things that we do. I mean, literally, I mean, we take our staffs on cruises. We've done, uh, you know, we sent one of our, our young staff members, and it's a great story about what he did, um, you know, to raise almost $100,000 for local nonprofits. And um, he's from Cleveland, and his best memory with his dad is the Cleveland Indians. And literally, that's one the one bond they have. And he remembers when he was a kid watching them uh, lose the World Series and crying. So when after the season, we presented him with a toy airplane. And I said, Danny, this, this represents how far you've gone with us, how far you're going and how you've taken everyone with you. He goes, oh, thanks, thanks. And I go, also, we're flying you to game one of the World Series tomorrow with your dad to go watch the Indians play. And he said, shut up. <laughs> and then he broke down. And the whole staff, you know, started cheering and clapping and was behind it. And, you know, we incentivized that with a memory for him, not just with dollars. It was, yes, was it expensive? Yes, it was. But that going to game one to watch his Cleveland Indians play the Cubs, this was a couple of years ago, he was blown away. And, you know, again, you kind of create those memories for your, for your people. Here's a secret, Dave, that we, we, our whole company is fans first. But you know who our biggest fans are? They're our employees. And so we actually put them first. And everything we focus is taking care of them. I always tell entrepreneurs, employers, I go, your people don't work for you. You work for your people. So we're constantly looking, what are their personal goals? How can we help them fulfill what they're trying to do? And we meet with them. We talk with them. And, you know, that's what we think about. And last year, we let them dictate their own salaries. Our whole staff dictated their own salaries and asked for significant bumps, 20, 25 percent. And then this year, we shifted to a profit share. But we want them to take ownership in what they do. So, you know, as far as the incentivizing, we don't look on a, on a weekly basis throwing out a carrot here and there. Um, we just talk, constantly talk about fans first to make sure that we're living the brand and taking care of our people. And then we know they're going to take care of the customers. Yeah, and it's such a simple philosophy. I don't know if you are familiar with the what is the book now? Of course, as soon as I try to bring it in here, the excellence. Uh, shoot, the, the new Tom Peters book, but he talks about putting people first and training people, and the excellence excellence imperative, and then putting people first, training them up, and just showing that you care because it, it is so right. Right? How many places do you go? where you, you know the people don't care. And you can almost go back to and follow the line back to the fact that their manager, their owner, their company doesn't care about them. And then everybody talks about, has in platitudes about like, oh my God, how great is it? We put our customers first. We put our, our employees first. We're only as important as our employees. You know, so like to hear examples of companies like yours and people like you who actually walk the talk, you know, it's very inspiring because I know it works because I, if, if I've learned any lesson over time is that I'm only successful in the way that I can get other people to help me achieve my goals. Right. And, and that's like, you know, so this whole fan first idea that you offer up is just really inspiring to me. I mean, because, you know, for that exact reason that, it, you know, all these bad customer service experience and all these bad experiences, they don't have to be this way. <laughs> um, there's a podcast I'm going to post in another couple of days as we're talking with a guy, a friend of mine that I've known for 15 years now, uh, Peter Shankman, that he talks about the need for empathy in our customer experiences and the idea that like you should be hiring for empathy. Um, you know, so I want to ask you, you know, what, what's the key thing you look for when you're hiring for people? 
again, I, I, it sounds redundant, but we simplify everything. So the, the fans first is everything for our business. And, I, and our ultimate mission is to provide the best fan experience in the, wor- in the world, to, to be the ultimate fan-centric company. And we talk about that. So what do we look for? You know, our hiring process, we have three steps. And we look for the first thing is a video cover letter from them. Um, and we want to see their personality, their energy, their enthusiasm. You know, we can tell right away based on that video cover letter if they'll fit an organization. The number two thing we have, we have a fans first essay, which uh, it could be one page, could be two pages. But how do they fit to our core beliefs? So how are they caring, different, enthusiastic, fun, growing and hungry? And the last piece, which is unique, is we ask for a future resume. We don't really care about what they've done in the past. And I say that in the, the best way possible. We want to know what their vision is for the future, what they want to do. And that really helps us see, are they growing and are they hungry? Because if they say they want to have the same role with us for the next five, 10 years, we know that they're not growing and hungry. If we see something big that they want to you know, run events all over the world, like refer to, you know, that, that inspires us and we want to help them get there. So those are the three steps, but it always comes down to the fan's first way. And, you know, when our people come here, we treat them like our biggest fan on the interview process. You know, we have we have a brunch set up for them. You know, we welcome them. We have gifts. You know, in our hotel, we have a gift basket when they get back to their hotel that night. And we have everyone on our staff. This is definitely not scalable. But that on our staff of 15, we have everyone speak with them, whether it's 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes and get to get to uh, know them and who they are and what they stand for. And will they fit in this organization? We are more focused on a cultural fit than a skill fit. And, you know, that that's that's how we've been doing it. And, you know, again, we're still learning. But what I've seen in in three years since we started uh, fans first here in Savannah, going into our fourth season coming up next year, we've had zero voluntary turnover. And just to put that in perspective, uh, millennials who that's who we have on the majority of our staff, you know, actually every single staff member is between 23 and 30 years old. Uh, We're seeing the statistics. They're leaving every 13 months. So a millennial is leaving a job under 30 years old every 13 months and going into our fourth year, we've had zero voluntary turnover. So it's worked for us. Um, it's not 100 percent scalable, but we're very clear on who we're looking for and what we stand for. And if you can repeat that over and over again, it makes it very easy to attract those types of people. Well, I mean, you know, and I know I used the word scalable earlier on and you, you used it here in this context. Right. And but and. Maybe I don't know exactly if I'm going to phrase this the right way, but you know, the idea that everything needs to be scalable to me has always hit me a little bit in the wrong spots because I think sometimes the desire to scale things makes us make, you know, offer up the wrong incentives or make the wrong decisions, right? And if you're building, trying to build a strong culture, one that's, you know, puts the fan first like you are, you know, is trying to scale that really the right decision or, is it not? Is it intentionally not scalable because you're making the right decision? One hundred percent. No, we we focus on long term values over short term profits, and we talk about impact over and over again. So when we talk about our values, what happens is the profits, the business growth, the scalability, it takes care of itself. Yeah, you know, it's the same thing. You know, you look at that great book, The One Thing by Gary Keller. Uh, Gary Keller, what one thing can you do that makes everything else easier or unnecessary? We know when we focus 100% on fans first and providing the best entertainment experience we can, everything else takes care of itself. The fans, the ticket sales, the, the merchandise, the experience, everything. So I think that's what a challenge for most businesses. They don't have a very clear vision on who they are, what they stand for, and where they're trying to go. And because we've simplified it, it really makes everything else like clockwork. 
Well, you said something too that's really important that I think we probably all should emphasize more and more and more is that your mission, your vision, your idea of what the core of the business is, it shouldn't be compl- complicated. It should be simple, right? You know, and if your your idea is to put the fans first at the whole thing, I mean, what's better than that, right? I mean, that's as simple and as clear because every decision you make can be like, well, is this good for the fans or is it bad for the fans? <laughs> is this good for the customer or is it bad for the customer? You know, I mean, I'm sure I'm not telling you anything. I mean, how many of us have seen these like really convoluted, like meaningless mission and vision statements? I mean, no, make it simple, right? Like, you know, me, I want to make sure that people maximize their profitable markets, right? I mean, or, you know, something similar to that, depending on who I'm talking to. But if I'm putting fans first, it can't get any better than that, right? You know, because you can make every decision about that and you can make, go, is it wise or unwise? I mean, it's just, it's beautiful in its simplicity. 100%. In my, in my book, I dedicated an entire chapter to uh, simple rules. And literally, I, I used the quote from Jeff Rosenblum, whoever says the most in the least amount of words wins. And so we try to simplify everything. I mean, again, you look at the greatest companies, what are they known for? Google, search, you know, I mean, you just think of, you know, what are they known for? And that's that's what we're trying to be. What are we known for? And it's that fan's first experience. Yeah. I mean, and, and really that boils down to fun, right? Because that's the big key when I'm going to make an investment in my of my entertainment dollars or my, uh, you know, family time. I want it to be something that I remember that I have fun with, you know, and I think, if, you know, if, if we could just make you, you fun, then we, we would win. <laughs> yeah. And that's why our, our website, we just say we make baseball fun. And, and you just got me laughing because I was I'm looking outside at the stadium here and I see uh, the season's over, but there's still a porta john out here. And we don't have that porta john for people to go to the bathroom. We actually have real bathrooms at our stadium. But we use that porta john to before games, we have a contest on how many people we can stuff in a porta john. And we got up to 15 people stuffed in a porta john before the game. And I and how do we come up with it? I, my director fund said just, hey, I think it'd be fun to see how many people we can fit in a porta john. And so <laughs> and, you know, same thing. it's like, what are we doing tonight? And it's like, oh, before the game, we're giving away a colon cleansing. I'm like, you're giving away a colon cleansing. And he goes, yeah, I thought it'd be fun. And again, you know, that goes into part of the experience. And you're right. Fun is a huge word for what we do. It's the reason I'm in a yellow tuxedo every day. It's a reason why we have crazy characters at our games that you, you never expect to see. Um, because when people leave the ballpark, you know, I want them saying, honey, you won't believe what I saw at the game today. And that's that's a fun reaction. Well, that's it. it also should just be like the thing that we're, we're striving for. And I know you might not be able to create it every time, but more times than not, you should be like, my God, I've never seen something like this before. Um, there's a lady, uh, Georgia, and I forget Georgia's last name, but she's in charge of uh, the Sydney Opera House in Australia. And she was saying, um, you know, they, they try to incorporate some of the props and some of the things from, you know, their performances there. Because she's like, as soon as you start offering it, it's um, – becomes just passe. People expect it, you know? So like, so I know that it's, it's tough to create something new every time, but the thing is, is like the, the creativity to create a new experience and a new idea for people. It's just, um, you know, it's limitless where it's only really stopped by our uh, imagination, you know? And that, and that, so like the porta potty thing is, is great. Um, and, and I want to ask you a little bit because I know you do have this book out and I know that you are known for your yellow tuxedo and I think people would benefit tremendously from from your book. So can you tell us a little bit about the book? <laughs> the book's called Find Your Yellow Tux, How to Be Successful by Standing Out. And uh, a little context, I own seven yellow tuxedos. I actually wear them every single day with the top hat. And it started uh, many years ago 
uh, during our game. I was like, we put on a show every day. I shouldn't be dressed up like a typical employee. I should go all showman. Uh, I guess people would describe it PT Barnum-esque. And I started wearing it. It really it amplified who I am. I'm, I'm really crazy. I'm outgoing. I, uh, you know, I take selfies with the fans. You know, we hand roses to little girls with the fans. I'm just involved in the experience. And when I started just thinking about this, I remember driving to work one day and work again, I, I use that term lightly. I'm, I'm driving to a ballpark to have fun. And I looked at traffic just backed up, you know, literally backed up like you read about. And I'm like, these people are going the nine to five. They're just going with, you know, they're, they're, they're going against the way they should be living. They're not creating their own path. And I was just so frustrated looking at that. I was like, you know, how many people haven't found the one thing that makes them stand out? And it's the best version of themselves. And that's, for me, my yellow tux. And I look at every business and every person that a lot of times they're going through their days and they're fighting fires, they're going through the motions, and they're not actually experiencing, you know, everything that they hope they could have in their life. And for me, I was fortunate to find it when I was young. Uh, every day I'm, you know, having the time of my life here at the ballpark. And the whole book is broken down into three segments. It's uh, yellow tucks your, your life, your personal, yellow tucks your business, and yellow tucks your legacy. And the craziest thing, if you want to talk about whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. I opened the book with my eulogy. I actually wrote my eulogy. That was a couple of years ago uh, of how I wanted to be remembered, what I wanted to be known for. And that's guided me. And uh, so it's been a fun book. It tells a little bit the crazy stories of how we started with the bananas, how three years ago, my wife and I were living on an airbed and we had to sell our dream house to where we are now. And um, I've been very surprised uh, and, and really appreciative of the huge support I've got over the last six months since it's been out. Yeah, no, I think there's like so much that people can take away. I, li- I love the idea of the future resume. Uh, on my future resume, I would have that I w- wanted to be the uh, commissioner of the NHL because I think the NH- the hockey is like could be the most fun thing in the world. So that's on my future resume. Love it. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, like the, the idea of putting the fans first is, is like so incredibly powerful. Um, you know, I, I have to admit that I was like, what, does Jesse wear the yellow tux like – every day um and i was like what all day long i was like you know so i was like mind blown by the yellow tux um you know and and just all of these things that you're talking about making things fun telling stories creating experiences for people um you know being creative understanding that failure is not failure it's just um it's a chance to learn you know these are all like such great lessons that i think people should you know I, I hope that pe- a whole lot of people listen to this because I think, you know, you're such a great resource to people and, and like your energy is just infectious. Um, you know, so how can people find out more about what you're up to? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I post regularly, uh, almost daily on LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, YouTube. Uh, if you search Jesse Cole, yellow tux guy, uh, I'm easy to find. <laughs> but, you know, Jesse, Jesse, find your yellow if you ever have any questions, you know, a great lesson. I share this with a lot. When I was young, 20, 23, 23 years old, I sent an email to uh, Mark Cuban and trying to find my way. And within a few hours, he wrote back. And that made such an impression on me that no matter how crazy you know, my life is, how much I'm running around speaking or at different ballparks, uh, there's always time to give a quick response and see if you can help someone. So anybody that wants to reach out to me with questions, ideas, you know, I, I'm still learning, but having the time of my life and uh, hopefully uh, everyone can do the same. Yeah. And I think too, you can't emphasize that enough. We're all always just learning. And so to hear it coming from somebody like you, I hope that'll be meaningful to some to people as well, because that's, if, there, if there's nothing less true, it's that because I'm always surprised at how, uh, 
how dumb I was or some of the stupid stuff I did maybe even like a week or two ago. So, you know, so, so you kind of always are learning. Um, the great thing is it creates a great story. So then I, I tell our staff sometimes, hey, no matter how dumb it is, just make sure it's a good story you can tell. <laughs> exactly right. Well, hey, Jesse, man, thank you so much. I know you have to get going, um, but uh, thanks for being on The Business of Fun. Uh, I love talking with you. Again, I want to thank my guest, Jesse Cole, the founder of Fans First Entertainment and the owner of the Savannah Bananas for taking the time to talk with me today. As always, if you want to find out more about what I'm doing, you can visit me on my website. It's www.davewakeman.com, where you can find my daily blog, uh, list of clients, all kinds of stuff that's upcoming. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter. That's at David Wakeman. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. Also, if you like the podcast and you have enjoyed the content that I've been creating for you, I'd love it if you'd subscribe. Visit us on iTunes or SoundCloud or Spotify or wherever these things are and wherever you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. And if you're so inclined, please leave a review. It helps a lot in the rankings and it helps let people know that what we're doing here is worth their attention. Also, I'd be remiss that if you have any questions, ideas, thoughts, comments, concerns, or whatever, you can always email me. It is my name, Dave, at DaveWakeman.com. And until next time, I look forward to to seeing you again soon. Take it easy. Bye-bye.